right, so what did you learn, uh, Mr. Friedman, in your NHL conference in Vegas? What was the most important nugget uh, of things that were taken care of going forward? Well, I, you know, I, they, obviously they had the talks, but I was there because they were doing the puck tracking. They did it. All the players were wearing chips, and there was a chip in the puck for the game Tuesday against the Rangers where I wasn't there, and there was the game last night where the Sharks where I was there. And one of the things they were doing is a huge convention now, CES convention, 190,000 people. It's a big technology convention. And the NHL had a box at the game or suite at the game the last two games. And last night I went and I saw some of the things that they were looking at. And they have a company called uh, Bet Genius that they asked to do a prototype for a, 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 like a bet, like what a betting um, setup would look like with the NHL's data. And so I was looking at this thing on the iPad, and Vegas scores 94 seconds into the game. And the iPad screen goes clear for about a second, and all of a sudden the odds reset, and they, and they change because Vegas is up one nothing. I was looking at this, and, you know, it's pretty interesting stuff. And I was looking at some of the prop bets they were creating. Uh, you know, they were showing, like, a part of the net, and they were saying what part of the net Will the next goal go in and you can bet depending on that area? And uh, also, where's the next goal going to come from on the ice? Same kind of thing. And I was talking to some of these guys, and I know the NHL asked the NFL for some of their information that Nielsen did for them. And I guess now 75 to 80% of the bets are in-game bets. Yeah, live and betting. Yeah. I got I to gotta, I gotta tell you guys, like, We've all been talking about the puck tracking, like, oh, what it's going to do for broadcast. I came back from this thing thinking we are missing, like, this is all going to be about gambling. And the league is excited about it. The players are excited about it. Like, I I was asking the companies, like, does this stuff really have value? And they're like, yeah, it is value. I think it's hard to quantify what it is, but it's, it's really interesting. I left there really thinking about what I'd seen. People love betting. I saw, like, the Q just made a face when, when you said, oh, they're betting on where in the net it's going to go. We bet on preseason games, okay? We'll bet on anything. His endorphins, <laughs> like, reacted in a very <laughs> firm way. <laughs> well, at least we know they reacted. Yeah, well, you never know at this point. I had a it's roommate hurtful, at Western who did oh, whose version of live betting was getting a pro-line ticket before the 7 o'clock games, getting frustrated by the second intermission, and walking down the Richmond Street to Miles Variety and then betting on the 10.30 game to make his money back. That was his version of live betting before it was more available online. We'd, we, like, we, we knew it was coming. He'd be like, I gotta go. And then uh, next thing you know, he pulls... I, 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 could, I could top that story, okay? So <laughs> I, got, I, I got a friend of mine, and I hope he isn't listening right now, but I think I hope he is because he'd be even funnier. So he... Uh, he quit smoking and picked up gambling. And one night we'd go over his house to play cards. And he goes, Elliot, you know, who do you like tonight? The Rough Riders or the Stampeders? And I look at him and I go, isn't this a CFL exhibition game? He's like, yeah, but I got to bet on it. That is when you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, you're more likely. I mean, the smoking isn't going to, the smoking's at least consistent uh, lack of, it's supposed to take your stress away. Watching Rough Riders, Stampeders, preseason football, knowing a lot's on the line. I mean, if you're not one of the players about to get cut, 
That's even worse. Well, why does it matter? But that's the whole thing about gambling. It doesn't matter. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's a preseason game. It's all about the outcome and did I win or did I lose? It doesn't matter the importance yep. of the game. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Absolutely. And, and, you know, the other thing, too, is obviously the labor is, uh, is there in the background. And, you know, one of the things a few players have said, they all took note of uh, Batman's quote in Seattle the other day about we're not looking for a fight. And, you know, there's some guys who've been around for a long time, and they were saying they've never really heard that before. So I think they're still very early in the process. I still think there's a ways to go, but I think they're kind of looking at this like, all right, do we have a chance for something that I think it'll have, still have its hurdles, but it does it not have to turn into anything here. Put it that way. Elliot Friedman, our guest, 811. Uh, Toronto, Boston is on Hockey Night Canada tomorrow, and we'll get to that in a sec. But the, the 2020 World Cup also getting discussed, and that's part of reopening or not reopening the CBA. The World Cup, like you and I are, are I'd call it, say, children of the Canada Cup, where it was in a bunch of different venues, and, uh, and then... In 04, they had it in Toronto and St. Paul, and then just in Toronto 12 years ago. This is like when I go to a family reunion, someone there is like, let's do this every year. And my dad's usually like, no, how about every 12? Like, that's what it feels like the World <laughs> Cup is sometimes. It's so in, it's so scattered. But this would be a four-year gap, uh, two years between the Olympic years. If it comes together, what do you think will happen venue-wise? Because there was criticism, too many games in one city, school's back, God knows the secondary ticket market wasn't exactly bursting, even with the Team North America thing. How do you think they format it? Well, I think they'll probably try to move it to a couple different places uh, when the time comes. The rumor was, the last time we were there, that Edmonton wanted to host it. The whole thing. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, they had their new rink coming out and stuff. But I, I do think uh, if and when they bring it back, it'll it'll probably move around a little bit. Um, I, I think they want to get rid of Team North America. I hate that idea. I want. I wonder how many of those guys. I would still like to see Team North America with the same guys as last time because they'd win the whole tournament. But um, I think you'll see changes. I don't think it'll be coming back the same way. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, from what we've seen in, in venues in other cities, um, that that afternoon game with Slovakia and the Czechs, uh, just it doesn't sell. It just doesn't you know sell. What, that, but you know what, Elliot? That's going to happen everywhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You know, like like you're always going to have games that just don't work. And, you know, I don't really get too upset about that. That's just a fact of life. Uh, maybe that's what you do. You play that game overseas and you have one pool – in Canada and you have one pool overseas and that's the way you eliminate a bit. But in every league at every time, you're going to have dog games. And but, but what then can you, you really you, do about it? But you, they, you, they, you ha if you have another market, you definitely have to give them a Canada game. No, you don't. You well, don't, they so, don't have so Canada they doesn't have to play in the States. No, okay, you're right. I was thinking about Canadian markets, right? Yeah, so if, you did it, if you did it in Boston and Montreal, they, even though if you split it in those two teams, Canada doesn't have to play in, in Boston. No, but well, I think the, they have to play 96, Montreal. In the 96-1, which I think was the first World Cup, Canada did play, I remember, one of the final games, I think was in Philadelphia. And the last mm. two were in Montreal. So they, I remember in 96 they did try that, putting having Canada play in the U.S. But generally I think they'd be here. 
Here's a quick thing to geek out on. I don't know who writes Wikipedia things. Like, I've never touched Wikipedia. But somebody, look at the 86 Canada Cup and the attendance for some of these games. Like, Sweden and the Soviet Union in 87. That's the legendary Canada Cup. That's Mary Lemieux. At the Saddle Dome, Sweden and the Soviet Union on a Saturday in late August drew 3,055 people. I got to tell you, the internet didn't exist then. Uh, what were people doing in Calgary? That was still a major city in 3,000. You know how many good players would have been in that game? So you're right. Neutral site doesn't it doesn't work for hockey. It never has, and it probably never will. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, too, that was the tournament where the – I can't remember if it was that tournament or the one before where the Swedish coach was Tommy Sandlin, and he blew up at the whole Canada Cup. He goes, this is not a sport tournament. This is a business <laughs> tournament. Because Sweden had to, like, Sweden really got, they were the ugly stepsister in that tournament. Like, they got sent around to all sorts of different cities over a short period of time, and they got knocked out early. That was obviously Canada, Russia in the 87. But I, I do remember that, too, that they were furious about the whole schedule. Their first, here's their first four games. Cal, your memory is brilliant. Calgary, Regina, Montreal, Sydney. They had to play Finland in Sydney oh, two wow. days after that playing sounds, in Montreal. That like, sounds like where my luggage went last. <laughs> what, what, what is this Corey Hart summer tour? Like, what are we doing? Like, can't uh, like centralize hey, yourself. We got to get we got to get to this uh, Columbus thing that happened yesterday. Uh, Coach Torts against goalie Bob. Uh, actually, you know, can we talk about a carp out of water? As Greg Todd called it, like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's a carp in a tank? A fish? It? What's it called? Uh, the the power of fish? What's the movie called again? Oh. It was the Oscar. You saw fish it. called Wanda. A shape of the shape, oh, of, the shape water. of water. That Not one. a fish yeah, that called was, Wanda. Yeah. That's that's that not the better. same. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. All, all I remember is Jimmy Kimmel hosting the Oscars <laughs> thing. The men are so bad in Hollywood that now women are falling in love with fish. We are being replaced by fish men. Yes, right. probably okay, properly okay. so. All right, Columbus. Yes. Columbus, yes. So, no, but we had we had a conversation here this morning about about where this is going. That uh, what? How do you think Columbus views their future? With this goaltender? I, I don't think there is a future. I, I think the, the future is um, he'll play somewhere else next year. It's just <laughs> so I, I think what happened was like one thing I have, I have reported in the past is last summer, Yarmo Kekalainen, the GM, asked to meet with both Panarin and Bobrovsky in Spain. Like everybody lives overseas, and I think they were supposed to meet in Spain. And uh, and Panarin showed up and Bobrovsky didn't. And Bobrovsky apparently has never gotten over some things that were said after the playoffs lost last year. And he didn't show up for the meeting. So everything started off on a bad foot this year. And it has continued. Like Panarin, whether he stays or not, he just is a pro and goes about his business. Bobrovsky has been unhappy all year. I believe there was a point in the, and he's also got a no trade clause. Like he, he protects everything. I believe there was a point this year where he gave them a small list of teams he would consider going to, but either that still isn't there or, or, or it went away. But now I think there's even question he would agree to go anywhere. Um, and it's a tough trade to make right now anyway. So I even think before this, Columbus was thinking we're going to put all our eggs in the Panarin basket and Bobrovsky will just ride it out and see where he goes. 
the one thing I, I think Columbus may still have working in their favor, assuming he comes back to play, is he can't be helping his value on the market. He's got to play well. Like, if I'm representing Bobrovsky, I am saying to him, you have to show up and play because how many teams are going to be looking at you right now and saying, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can trust this guy going forward. So I think that's the one ace in the hole that Columbus might have is somebody's got to say to this guy, you have to show up and play or else you're killing your own value. Yeah, he's one of he's 5 and 14 in the playoffs with a 349 goals against and a 891 save percentage in the playoffs and maybe he was upset cuz somebody said at the end of the season, "Stop stinking in the playoffs." Maybe it was that. But that's <laughs> See, I got to deal with these guys, Elliot. Like like we we discussed Tavares and I just I look and I go, "This isn't e- these aren't even legacy guys. This isn't even their first franchise. I have to put the paper in front of you. I'll make you a great offer, but if if you don't sign it by deadline, I, if I'm a Jackets fan, I'm angrier that you didn't get assets for, for these two prize possessions than if you <laughs> took a run at the Penguins in the first round again and go out in five games. I can't. It's not working there. I can't be having that. No, I, I have to disagree with you on this one. I, I, I supported Columbus's strategy. I, I believed it was the right thing. I think there are times in your franchise's existence where you have to say, screw it, I'm all in. And this was a time for Columbus. Because first of all, last year at, at July 1, what were you getting for Panarin knowing that he had told everybody he wasn't signing anywhere? And there was no guarantee you could even trade Bobrovsky. Like, I don't, like I've heard, I can't say 100% if it's true, but I believe it. I've heard that there were teams that asked last summer about Bobrovsky, and he basically said, "I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere." So, like, I think Columbus was stuck. They had a goalie who wouldn't go anywhere, and they and the whole league knew Panarin wanted to test free agency. What are you getting for those guys? I think you reach a point where you say to your fan base, "You've been loyal. You've been good to us. We're going for it this year. We'll deal with all the chips fall after it happens." But, you know, the other thing is they're still a good team. And secondly, after Washington won last year, if I was Columbus, I'd be saying, why can't we be this year's capital? I know. I understand why they did it, and I support it. But they're 26th in attendance, too. Like, I – and and maybe there's nothing that could get them in the top ten. But, yeah, yeah, maybe they dropped to 31st. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Elliot. Sometimes you have to go for it, guys. Uh, Bruins Leafs will be watching Hockey Night in Canada. Thank you, Elliot. Thanks, Elliot.